Hi guys, welcome to Self-Care Sundays. This is Han and Naz and joining us today is our lovely friend Samson. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. That's good. What have you been up to? We've just been working, trying to keep our mental health in check. How are you finding like just not being able to do anything? So I know you had a pretty active lifestyle. Well, it's pretty hard to be honest. Like, you can't see your friends, you can't do anything that you want to do. If you want to eat some food, you have to get it takeaway. It's just not the same. It doesn't taste the same inside the car as it does in the restaurant. You're eating inside your car. I thought you'd get it delivered to your home. Well, if you go pick it up takeaway, then you eat it in the car. Yeah, that's true. That's true, actually. Well, Brunswick, it's a bit different. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone's breaking the rules, but we have restaurants that have brought their tables and chairs outside. So, and everyone's just eating outside. So they'll get the food in takeaway boxes, but then they're just eating outside of the restaurant, like at tables. I think people have had enough. Yeah. Everyone's had enough. Yeah. So what are the youth up to? Like, what are you guys doing nowadays? Do you think COVID has caused substance abuse, like, or substance use to increase because everyone's bored? Yes, it definitely has. When people have more free time on their hands, They've got nothing better to do than get together and either get high or drunk. So you think it's increased more during COVID because of boredom? Of course, because of boredom. So you've got people tucking themselves away in one person's house, doing whatever they want to do in order for them to have fun or feel good, if you want to say that. Do you think it's also like a lot of people are depressed at the moment? Do you think it's increasing depression that they're trying to kind of forget about their problems as well? I believe they're doing that subconsciously. So they don't know that they're actually depressed. They just think of, hey, this is making me happy. I'm going to do this drug. But they're doing it subconsciously because they're depressed. It's something Mm -hmm. that they haven't been informed about properly, I believe. Yeah, and plus it's a lot of people won't be able to recognise that they're actually depressed, um, particularly young people, because it's not something that we really talk about in our in our communities. We don't really talk about anxiety or depression. So they've just gotten used to masking like their emotions, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. But when we talk about drugs, like are we talking about weed and alcohol or do we have a more serious problem? I think we've got a more serious problem on our hands. There's more opioid use in the community. There's an increase of use of all sorts of drugs, I would say, not just weed or alcohol, because that's not enough for the youth nowadays. When you say opioids, can you like break it down? Like what what specifically like is popular amongst the youth or what you know, what are they using at the moment? So Codeine, which you guys hear in rap music, which is lean. They put it in their soft drink and they'll have it, which will make them feel, I don't know, a bit drowsy. And you have uh, something a bit stronger, which would be the Percocets, Oxys. So, but these are prescription drugs. Like, how are they, how are they getting their hands on this stuff? How are they getting their hands on it is a very good question. So their prescription shop either a prescription shoppers b uh there are certain doctors that are known to be giving these stuff out and three there's people that sell this 
and there's a black market for it. So you could buy a packet of 20 oxys if it was prescribed to you and you needed it for less than $10 from a chemist. But if someone gets their hands on that, they will sell each pill for $80. And there's 20 in a box. So that already tells you that if someone is willing to pay $80 for one pill, there's something inside there that is definitely worth it for him. Yeah, well, opioids release endorphins, I guess. You can get very quickly addicted on opioids than other drugs. And they don't understand that. So they'd rather pay the price, feel happy for a little bit, and then when they wake up the next day, it's a cycle again because they don't want to go through their withdrawals. For the adults that have, like that are addicted to opioids, it's because maybe they've gone through some sort of like injury and then the doctors prescribe them for it and they've got hooked on it. So for the youth that haven't gone through an injury or haven't been prescribed, how do they actually get addicted to opioids? Like how do they go into that direction? All it takes is one person to be like, hey, bro, come have a look at this or take this. It will make you feel good. And they'll try it. And from there, it just turns into a cycle because it turns into an addiction and then their body needs it to function as normal. So it's not a drug anymore, per se. It's just something there to make them feel like a normal human being again. So after they get addicted, it's not getting them high anymore. Can these opioids cause them to be in an altered state where they actually start harming other people? I don't believe so. But when the youth get together and they start doing drugs or they start drinking alcohol and they have nothing else to do, that's when crime becomes an option. That's when it becomes something fun to do. That's when it becomes an activity for them. You made a good point as well. It's like most of the youth that are taking opioids are mixing it with alcohol. And that's a dangerous combination because you're taking two depressants at the same time. Like you could actually end up in a coma. Not only are they mixing it with alcohol, they're mixing it with all other sorts of drugs. So they basically have a cocktail of prescription and non-prescription drugs in their body, but they don't know when something can go wrong they don't factor in that they're taking in so many things at one time that can clash they don't think about it all they think about is the end result which is feeling happy or feeling good i've heard a lot about xan or like the xanax so what does that do when the youth take it or when they're addicted to it like what what kind of feeling does it cause for them they say it makes them just feel relaxed and it makes them not worry about anything so that also tells you that hey there's a mental health problem here and these kids are self-medicating themselves instead of actually seeking professional help because it's a taboo subject inside their household or they've never even probably brought it up with their parents so it makes them but then once they go into that state obviously the body needs to go to sleep But when you don't sleep, then they're basically like walking zombies. They'll be awake doing normal stuff, but they just don't know what they're doing. And that's Mm. when like crime happens. And And that's when that's when crime happens. So usually the Zans, it's always put next to a jail cell. So they say you take a Zan, you black out and you'll always wake up in a jail cell. It takes away 
all consequences from you. There's no such thing as consequences. Anything is goes. Anything is possible. That's when you wake up the next day and you realize, oh, fuck, I've done so many things wrong or other people have to fill you in on the things you've done because you were a walking zombie. But is it worth it? Like, is that even, like, do they know that's where it leads you? Is that feeling of high and euphoria worth it to, like, end up in jail or killing someone? Obviously, obviously not. (laughs) No. If they're taking it, then obviously yes. To them, it is worth it because they just want to feel numb. They just want to feel numb. And then when they're feeling numb, they're not feeling anything. They don't feel emotions. They forget about everything. They don't worry about what's next. That's why they all go left because everything's out the window. And if one person brings up a bad idea, everyone else is on the same page because, hey, there's no such thing as consequences. Do you think like it's become sexier amongst young people to be on prescription drugs than say like heroin or ice, even though they're equally as as addictive, but like maybe they're thinking, you know, it's a prescription, it's used as medication, it's not that bad, or there's more of a hype around it because of the music. Why has this become so normalized? You're correct. So the music has something got to do with it. Definitely. I think that's 90% of uh, what has gotten the youth to do all this. So they hear Future or they hear their favorite rapper talking about all these prescription drugs that they're taking. And that's what's led them to be like, all right, hey, you know what? This guy's talking about this. He's making it sound so good. Why don't I try it? And then they go try it. Then they're stuck in the cycle. But they're not thinking about, hey, this rapper has subconsciously made me try this prescription drug that I am now addicted to. And also, you said they're using the prescription drugs and not these other hard drugs, even though they've kind of got the same effects. That's because, as you said, they are saying to themselves, it is only prescription prescription drugs. I am buying it from the pharmacy. There's really not nothing wrong with this. Naz and I knew a guy when we were a little bit younger, so he'd always be like, oh, alcohol is so bad, alcohol is so haram, but he always had like a bottle of lean with him (laughs) and he thought it was normal. (laughs) That's 90% of the people now. They won't drink alcohol, but they'll drink lean thinking they're not doing anything haram, but hey, it it doesn't necessarily say alcohol only. It says anything that alters your state of mind. You can't trick God. God knows what you're doing exactly. If you're using it for medical purposes, then that's a different story. This is really sad, actually, because you know that your brain only fully develops when you're the age of 25. So they're taking all these heavy medications and potentially risking brain damage, actually. Like it's safer for an adult to be addicted to opioids than it is for a 19, 20-year-old, you know? Like I feel like they haven't fully understood what the consequences are and i'm definitely not a doctor but i believe and i think that to say taking these antidepressants antidepressants such as xanax or whatnot eventually will cause you to have anxiety will cause you to have all those issues the medication was actually made for in the long run 
it'll, it'll cause you to have those issues when you're taking the Xanax with other drugs and alcohol and, you know, smoking weed and all this. When you're mixing everything together, that's when it potentially causes you to have greater mental health issues. Which is the main problem. They're not, they're not learning to separate things. They're not learning to take things in moderation. The African community has a problem with moderation. They, I don't think they know what the word moderation means. They it's take good. everything to the next level. That's a good point because um, what I want to know is why do the African youth do it in excess? So if you see you know, someone from a different nationality, they'll probably be drinking less in terms of quantity, less in, in terms of like the amounts of days, whereas you'll see like an African teen, whether it be a male or a female, and they're doing it maybe triple or four times or five times more than the average youth. I believe it's got something got to do with family and household. Parents, the African parents definitely are not for it. African parents don't want to hear about it. They don't want to see it. So you have, I'll give you an example of Islanders. Islanders will come and sit in their garage Friday and Saturday. They'll be drinking beers all day and night long. They're not committing crime. They're the nicest people you'll meet, even though they're huge. But the African, on the other hand, he's only outside for a certain amount of hours and he doesn't have long till he goes back home. So he's got to quickly down as much things as he can and, while he's doing that along the way, he's bored. So to pass time, they're out committing crime. And I'm not saying it's only Africans that are doing this, but that is a major problem, like not, not being able to. Yeah, but it's not culturally appropriate and it's not religiously appropriate. They can't sit in their mum's garage and drink alcohol and, you know, smoke. Or So what do you think the solution is? I don't think there is a solution because even if you opened up a center for the youth who in our community would come and say, hey, I have a problem, I need help. Yeah, but like, you know what? Also, what happens is their parents are not accepting of it as well. You see a lot of parents where their son has gotten schizophrenia or paranoia from drug use and that those parents will actually take their child to get rid on from a chef, which is great, like that works. But it's like the problem that the reason your child is schizophrenic is because of the drugs they're taking. Taking, take them to a rehab, take them to a mental hospital, you know, get them fixed. But the parents are denying the issue that the child is even doing the drugs in the first place. They don't want to hear it, even if that is the, the truth and they know it. They don't want to hear it. And that is where they have gone wrong in their generation. I think in in African communities, like parents and children, they don't have an open and honest relationship with each other. Like how often can even, you know, us three belong to the same cultural group? Like we can't go to our parents and confide in them about mental health or about, you know, potentially experimenting with drugs. Like you don't have that relationship because if you did have that open relationship, at least as a parent, you would know what your child is getting up to. You'd be able to give them advice, educate them. And it all starts at an early age. But that goes back to it's not culturally appropriate for us to be 
using drugs or drinking. So for them, the answer from the get-go is no. And that's all they know because they came from a country where it was no, no, where people did everything under the table. So when they come here, they're bringing their old rules with them. So when we become parents or as some of us are parents, we'll be dealing with our children in a different manner because we know how society is in the country that we are living in. We grew up here, so we parent differently. That's where we can break our generational curses. No, 100%. I I definitely agree to that. As a parent, I'll definitely sit down with my child when he gets older and have a conversation with him and tell him this is the type of drugs that are out there. This is alcohol. This is not good. And obviously hope my child doesn't do it. But I'm also aware of what side effects looks like. I'm also aware if my child comes home drunk or if my child comes home high, I can tell. Whereas the parents nowadays, I don't know if they can tell or I don't know if they're in denial. Okay, you're not accepting of your child taking drugs, but when you see that they are taking drugs and they're you know, starting to cause harm not only to themselves but the people around them, my issue with the African parents today is go get your child help. Go take them to rehab. I've seen you know, people in the community where the parents are aware of their child actually being sick and they'll send them to Africa, get them married or send them to a sheikh and that child will come back or that youth will come back and potentially kill someone or hurt someone. And, and that's wrong. I personally know someone exactly in that exact same boat where right now they're in hospital because they got stabbed, but they've been married, they've, but they were sent to Africa to get married because they were doing trouble here. But that did not change anything. So our parents' generation, they rather do that because rehab will bring shame to their family and they rather just skip the shame and get rid of the person as a whole. Even before you get to the stage of rehab, like parents need to have discussions with their children. Oh, okay, you went out last night and you went and drank. What did you gain from that? What did you do? How do you feel now? Like you need to have that conversation, you know, and then the the child will listen and they'll say, yeah, okay, maybe binge drinking isn't the best solution. Yeah, you're right. I am hungover. I am sick. But but they they won't say that because all they know is no, no, no. And if you did it, you did something very wrong and bad. It's not even a topic of conversation. You, You can't change it. It will always be like that. Yeah, but you can change it. The generational curse, you can stop that. <laughs> yeah, only we can stop that, but we can't expect that the parents of the youth right now to understand and to fix it. But I also do believe that they are becoming a bit more woke and they are becoming a bit more understanding. And no parent wants to have a child that's on drugs or that's doing crime. And I feel as if we're actually getting somewhere, even with the older generation of parents that are now becoming more accepting of, hey, my uh, child has a mental health problem. I need to have him or her fixed up. Yeah, yeah. How do you think this all starts? I know Naz and I were talking about it the other day. We were really shocked that really young people just like in year seven are starting to vape with actual nicotine inside the vape. Do you think that's like a gateway to maybe potentially going into weed, then going into alcohol, then going into bigger drugs? 110%. It starts off with the vape in school. It's all fun and games. But then after that, they're going to sit down and be like, all right, 
you know what, this vape's not enough. We need something else. And then they're going to go try shisha. And then that won't be enough after a little while. And then it's weed. And then that won't be enough after a while. And then no one wakes up one day and says, hey, I'm going to do heroin. You work your way up to heroin. Everything is just not enough. And that's how everyone's been going to the next stage and next stage. That's why we are in an epidemic at the moment with the opioid use, whether it's in codeine or whether it's in oxys. I think peer pressure also has a lot to do with it. So depending on the group of friends that you're with, like the more or the less likely you are to experiment with certain drugs. So I know when when we were younger, this stuff wasn't around, you know, like it wasn't in our immediate circle. What we saw was people smoking weed and people drinking, of course, but there was no such thing as, you know, people our age getting high on on opioids. But now because it's so common, it's so normalised, I feel like there's almost a pressure to do it to be cool. I think it's peer pressure up to like a certain age. And then after a certain age, it's just like someone will offer it. It's either you say yes or it's either you say no. And that's where you have to choose. I don't think it's peer pressure where the person is choosing. Do you get what I mean? It's it's just like it's in their mind. It's how they're feeling in that moment. If they're feeling shitty, they'll be like, fuck it. I'm just going to go do it. I don't care. People are doing something called nangs where they inhale some sort of air into a balloon and I knew a guy who said he would never ever do that for years and years and years but when life got tough and everything went left for him I looked over to my left side and there he is with a balloon in his hand so I believe it's mental health mental health and also boredom mental health I feel like if they really had something to keep themselves occupied, like other passions. I know it's really hard now because it's it's COVID, but, yeah, like I feel like boredom is a big, big, big factor for taking drugs, like for young people and for adults. As soon as we went into lockdown, the line outside of Dan Murphy's was like, <laughs> you know, one, one kilometres. I think they actually ran out of alcohol. Like I was reading it in a news article, you know. And then we had Uber Eats here offering specials <laughs> and discounts on alcohol. It's like, what are you guys doing? Alcohol is more of a drug than a lot of the drugs out there. Yes. And a lot of people are not ready to accept that fact. It's because it's legal and it's everyone, it's so normalized, but people don't think there's a problem with it. But there's definitely, there's a huge problem with alcohol. There's a huge problem with binge drinking alcohol too. So we're not talking about having a, a glass or two. We're talking about, you know, a bottle or a couple of bottles in a night. When you're drinking that much and when you're binge drinking, you can't make decisions. So in that sense, that alcohol definitely is a gateway drug because you're already like not able to make good decisions for yourself. So that's when you'll be like, someone will offer you a pill and you'll be like, all right, why not? Samson made a really good point at the start of the episode where he was like, people are actually sad and they don't know it. So if you're taking all these drugs or alcohol to that excess, there's something, there's a deeper rooted issue going on. Course, 110%, but they are not ready to accept that fact. They are not ready to accept that fact. The only person that knows that is themselves. And they're most likely not going to say it out loud because once they leave the house, they're going to meet with their other friend who's depressed, but they're both pretending to be happy and they're both pretending to enjoy their day, but they're there for that one 
sole purpose of doing drugs together so that they can feel a little bit normal and a little bit happy again. Usually after one person stops doing, doing the drugs, they're never friends again because that was the only thing keeping them linked. My what is causing all this depression? Like why are, they, why are these young people with so much potential feeling so down? One of my reasons is because Instagram, Instagram is showing a 23-year-old that's bought a G-Wagon, a 24-year-old that's bought a house and a Ferrari, and everyone's like, all right, I have to do this. Everyone's thinking that they have to have a side hustle. No one wants to work a nine-to-five. A nine-to-five is very normal, but people don't see it as normal because they're looking up to these influencers who are living their life, but really they're not living their life. Instagram is a whole highlight reel. You just see that great parts of everyone's day or everyone's life but you don't see when they're sad you don't see when they're angry you don't see when things are going wrong for them that one photo might be the only time that they smile during the whole day but now these kids are beating themselves up because they're not living that life that they're looking at every single day in their phone every time they open their phone they're seeing people living lavish lifestyles but they don't understand that they might be in a better position mentally and even family-wise, they might be in a better position in so many ways, but yet they don't know it. And that's what's making them feel a certain type of way. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a really good point. And what I want to know is like if you have a friend that's feeling down, do you guys support each other? Do you reach out to each other? How do you support a friend that, you know, potentially could be abusing substance or could have a mental health issue? For me, it would just be telling them every day that, hey, it, it's, it's wrong to try and if the person is close to me, I will try and stop them in any way that I can. Obviously, you can't stop someone from doing their drugs because they're a grown man, but you can try and make a plan for them. And if they're willing to listen or if they're someone that's in the right state of mind, in a, in a sense of like they want to get their life together, they do listen and they do want to stop doing what they're doing. And they do take the measures in which we come up with together. On the other hand, there are the other people who will be like, fuck, I'm doing this till I'm 50. I don't care. So those people, you already know not to help. But the person that's saying, hey, I, I really don't like doing this. Like, it's not even making me happy anymore. That's the person that, you know, all right, you can help this person. This person wants to be helped. This person doesn't want to be in this situation. But the person that's saying, I'm going to be doing this till I'm 50, you just got to look the other way. Do you think they're getting into relationships too? I don't know. I, I feel like also that goes back to Instagram, like cute couples or couple goals or uploading someone or needing to having needing to have someone to upload on February 14. And like, <laughs> there's a lot of pressures that Instagram is bringing, not only like it's bringing people down mentally in so many different ways that I think that's why the drug use or alcohol use has increased. Yeah, we didn't have so much of like a social media presence back in our day and that's no we didn't we had Bebo and MySpace yeah and the difference is like you use that once you come back home you don't have it with exactly. you all, all day every yeah. day in your pocket where you're checking it where like you can't even go out with people without them taking a 
20, 30 photos right now. Like yeah, everyone's yeah. got to capture every moment. Some memories, yeah, they're nice to take photos of, but other memories are good to just live in. Yeah, we were living, yeah, it's true. We were, we were definitely living in the moment where everything is being recorded and taking people are taking photos of every second. That wasn't happening back in the day. Our phone would be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very big problem as well. That's making people depressed. You see someone upload a photo of them at the Louis store and you're sitting at home in your bed and you're thinking, oh, fuck, this guy's got so much money. Look what he's doing. But little do you know, he just walked in, took the photo and walked right back out. And now you're beating yourself up over it. Is that fair? No. Why is everyone so obsessed with wealth and fame? Like, is there no other purpose in life? Is there nothing else that you should be trying to achieve? Like, I feel like we've just become a society, you know, adults and children, where we're just chasing paper all the time. Money will never make you happy. Like, and you can all you can see that from all the rich people just telling you straight up, like money has never solved their problems. They still have a sa- the same amount of problems that they did when they didn't have money after they got money. The problems may be different, but you will have the same amount of problems. Look, the grass is always greener on the other side. No one's really potentially grateful for the blessings in their life. I think that's how the world is. No one is, no one is grateful at all. First, you want a bike, and then you want a motorbike, and then you want a car. It just never stops. Yeah. You just want the better thing all the time. And once you get it, you'll only be happy for a certain amount of time until you realize, oh, this wasn't it. So people are chasing money, wealth, and fame because of the money, wealth, and fame that they see on their phone every single day. And that's what they're trying to achieve. But once they do achieve it, if some of them do achieve it, they they will realize that it isn't it. And that, yeah. is, and that wasn't what they were actually look, looking for. That's because they're tying their happiness to materialistic things and external factors. Like I feel like you need to look inside yourself, you know, and practice spirituality because otherwise you'll never be happy. Like we're, we're chasing the wrong things. And that's why I was asking about purpose. There's no sense of direction. Do you know what I mean? Like what's, what's their inner purpose? I feel like they haven't even... They haven't got uh, to that stage, you know? There's no self And then even when you said before, like, people getting into relationships and stuff like that, I think, yeah, you are right. Everything is for happiness, but happiness should be found within oneself. You should look into yourself for your own happiness. You shouldn't even look to the next person. You shouldn't even go to your mother for your happiness. It should yeah. only be purely yourself. You should know where to find it by yourself anytime. However way you do it, it's just like, your happiness should only be tied to you. It should not be tied to a person. It shouldn't be tied to a thing. It shouldn't be tied to nothing. That's really good advice. I love it. Before we wrap it up, what steps do you think the community should take to help this youth? I believe our parent generation have to wake up a little bit. They have to realize that, hey, your son and daughter are not angels. They're not at work at 2 a.m. every morning. So. Firstly, that's the first step for the parents to stop being naive and to actually stop being in denial and start taking steps to better their child. So then children can come forward to their parents and they can be like, hey, I'm not feeling good today. I'm feeling a little bit down. Or, hey, I've taken this and 
I think it's making me feel a certain type of way instead of a child taking something and then them feeling a certain type of way and it having a bad reaction to them, but they've got to hide it because they can't tell their parents. So I think the first step is for our generation of parents to actually be woken up and be told about it and have lots of information sessions in their community gatherings about the, these sort of things to tell them the difference about when their child is sober and not sober so they can tell when the child comes home so they can see. I think it's about informing the parents at first. That's definitely the first step. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I definitely agree. And I hope we can see changes in the future. I hope so too. I really do. It's very sad to see the community go down in a path that is not good when they have so much potential to do so many different things in so many different fields. We have unmatched potential in our community, but it's just not being used because of mental health problems. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you for coming on, Samson. I think we really got a lot of insight from you today. I hope you guys enjoyed my company. We did, we did. I don't I didn't know how I was gonna handle two Gemini's, but it was good. <laughs> well you always gotta throw that in there. Always. <laughs> I think Gemini's are great people. Of course, we're highly intelligent and curious. Oh, <laughs> Fun to I, be agree the, I agree with the curious part because I'm definitely curious, George. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Samson. Honestly, I definitely benefited. I really hope our audience will benefit too. If you are having some sort of substance problems and you want someone to talk to, if you want someone to reach out, our DMs and our emails are open. Thank you again, Samson. It was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Make thank sure you guys for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Make sure you check out our Instagram, Self Care Sundays Pod, Sundays with a Z, and we are out. See you later. See you later. Bye.